Together is Better. And uh, today it's titled, My Kind of Medicine. And um, Romans 15, 13 is our scripture that we've been doing together for the year. Just concentrating on this, that now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. How many know that even in the midst of what's going on in this crazy, crazy world, that you can have uncontainable joy and perfect peace? That's what this says. It says, and may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. So God has put hope in you today. Amen? It's in us. And uh, last week, I just want to review a little bit because I, I think that it's vitally important that the church is a family. It's not just you should not be coming, checking off your religious square. Okay, I went to church. Check. That's the way I was raised, you know. You checked off your religious box for the week. But um, church is where you just get to know God in a greater way. And then all of us can demonstrate the kindness and the love of God that's in us. Did you hear that? To demonstrate what's been placed inside of you and me. And um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, we, this was our scripture last week. It talks about what God sets in the church. But in verse 14, it says, And then our immaturity will end. We will not be easily shaken by trouble, nor be led astray by novel teachings or by false doctrines and deceivers who teach clever lies. So this is one of the reasons. I talked many things about coming, why we come to church. And this is one of the main reasons as well is because you don't, you don't get easily shaken by trouble or tragedy. It doesn't just make you go off the deep end. But when you are connected to God... And you have a church family that can pray for you and be with you. And uh, it just helps because life happens. Life happens. And um, people can be deceived. Everybody in here, including this man standing up here, has been deceived when it comes to understanding God or the Word of God. I know you may think, I don't know. No, you have. You thought something, you believed something, and what you believe was not really the truth or maybe a fragment or a part of the truth, you know. And um, the great thing about coming to a church and being part of family, you can talk, and when something, let me just say this. If you are the only person on the planet that believes a certain doctrine or certain truth, it's a scary place to believe. It's a scary place to be. It is. God is not going to reveal his truth or revelation to just one person on the planet, first of all. And so it's good. I'm, I'm in relationship with pastors and ministries, and I listen to teachings, and, and I'm in relationship with people here. And so it's good because it keeps us from being deceived. The problem about deception is this. You don't know it. Wouldn't it be great if you had something in the back of your mind going, you're being deceived. Don't, don't listen. Okay, that was a poor imitation of something. But anyway, my point is that wouldn't it be great if you could, if you would know when you're being deceived. But we don't. That's why you have relationships. That's why you have relationships to help you in that. But God also has said 
something that could help you as well. In Proverbs eleven fourteen, 14, he says, where there's no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So when you have people in relationship around you, there's safety in that. And we talked about this, and this will wrap up the review, the benefits of church. We get discipled. We have relationships, helping people. We pray for people. And then there's the unknown factor. There's something that you get in church you just don't know. You just don't know. Uh, And a lot of it is you don't know you even need it. It's like eating a good meal. When you eat a good meal, I mean, does your body go, oh, I just got some vitamin K. Vitamin C. Oh, I love you so much. I just, when I drink orange juice, I just love getting that. I don't know about you, but my body doesn't know squat what it gets. It just goes, this tastes good. This does not. (laughs) Everything she cooks is good. I'm such a smart man. Anyway, you just, don't, you just don't know when you get vitamins, though, but aren't you thankful that you get them? When you eat the food, you just get them without even going, okay, I'm going to really believe that I'm going to get some protein out of the steak when I eat it. I'm just going to really believe now. People, I will not eat lunch with you if you act like that. But you get that stuff without even, you just put it. It's the same way when you come to church. You don't go... Okay, I'm going to really get something today. I'm going to really get something. Don't get weird and flaky on us. Just listen. You'll get it if you're listening. I believe even if you fall asleep, you'll get a little something. But anyway, I mean, you'll get it. You don't have to worry about, God, just make sure I get what I believe when you hear the word of God, when you hear the preaching and the teaching, you're going to get stuff that you don't even know you need, but it's going inside of you just like vitamins. Woo. That's good. Anyway. Now, this is the part two part. That was the review. Are you ready? You know, I was thinking about everything that's going on in America and everything, and I just think about how Jesus is looking at everything. And I believe there's a good picture of that in Mark chapter 6, verse 34. It says, By the time Jesus came ashore, a massive crowd was waiting. At the sight of them, his heart was filled with compassion because they seemed like wandering sheep who had no shepherd. So he taught them many things. Jesus was looking upon the crowds, and he just said, man, they just need somebody to shepherd them, somebody to love them, somebody to teach them. I believe God is looking all over the world and America, and he's just saying, you need me. The world needs Jesus, the great shepherd. He wants to shepherd you. Yeah, I'm an under-shepherd, but Jesus is the ultimate shepherd, and you need him, and he wants you to know that he can help you through anything and everything that's going on in your life. The message translation says it like this. When Jesus arrived, he saw this huge crowd. At the sight of them, his heart broke. Like sheep with no shepherd they were, he went right to work teaching them. He started teaching them. And so... I thought about the church, and not just our church, but the church around the world. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're part of the church. And this is what I thought. I I got this illustration how the kingdom of God is like an airport terminal. Terminal. Where all the airplanes come. You're not allowed to laugh. Anyway, where all the airplanes come. But anyway... 
I just thought that's like the kingdom of God. How each gate has a specific destination to take you to a different location all around the world. And I thought that's kind of like the church around the world. And even the churches in our city. They have specific things that they, they uh, teach. I'm, I'm talking about they teach the Bible. But generally speaking, churches have specific things that they teach. You know, like Brother Hagan in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when he, his ministry back then, it was faith and love. Uh, Andrew Womack in Woodland Park, it's mostly grace. And uh, so you can just name specific ministries, and they, they teach other things too. But you know what I mean. Their main thing is this. And um, so I just thought I really want to, you may know this, but you may not. I'm just going to really open up my heart to tell you why I teach what I teach. And uh, because I know there's some ministries that are very political. I mean, they teach, or not teach, but they'll come up and they'll either speak for or against in, in a certain politics and just really thrive on politics. And um, there's certain churches that really stand up and thrive on social issues and certain things, and so they're just known for that. And uh, I'm okay with that. I believe that, that if that's what they're supposed to do, then go for it. I know there's some churches that the pastor, he, he teaches strong Republican. And then there's other pastors that have a strong Democrat-type uh, philosophy. And, but this is the thing. Those pastors are going to have only Republicans in them, and this one is only going to have Democrats in them. And if there's okay with that, hey, no problem. But I just want you to know, some people think, how come you never talk about politics? I'm going to tell you why. I'm not afraid. Somebody once said that well, he's probably afraid that he's going to lose his 501c3 tax status. I am not. I am definitely not afraid. Plus, uh, President Trump signed something this year. But even before that, I, I have never let anybody or government dictate what I say behind this pulpit, period. And I'm not afraid to say or anything behind this pulpit. That's why sometimes I don't look at my wife so she can, she can, no, I'm just kidding. She can scare me sometimes. I love her. But I don't. But this is why I don't preach politics. Are you ready? I don't preach this because my heart is to make sure that I reach Republicans, Democrats, independents, and people who don't give a flip. That's why I don't. And that's why I prayed about it. If you have been part of our church probably 10 years ago, you may have thought that you've changed. I have, and that's why. Again, I don't believe there's anything wrong with these ministries. Are you hearing me? I don't believe there's anything wrong with ministries who do that. I do not think there's anything wrong with that. And I don't think we should be. And there's been times that I've been critical of certain ministries because I just think, man, are you a politician or a preacher? Which one? You know, but uh, I got over it. But anyway, my point is this, is that I believe if that's in your heart and that's in your passion, go for it. But I just want you to know why I do what I do. I don't 
stand on strong social issues. I just believe this is what God has put in my heart, specifically five to six years ago, to rethink God, what it says out there, and that is this. We need to get to know Jesus Christ. He is eternal life. Eternal life is not a destination. John 17, 3 says, to know God is eternal life. I, used to, I was raised in church to think you need to accept Jesus as your Lord so you can go to heaven. That's why you need to believe in Jesus so you can go to heaven. I don't believe that. Yes, I do believe you believe in Jesus, go to heaven. Let me clarify. But I don't believe that's eternal life. Believing in Jesus, knowing who he is, is eternal life. And you get that right now, not when you get to a destination. So that has been the main thing that burns inside of my heart is to make sure my job is to teach you all to know Jesus, number one. And then underneath that, it will help all of us to have victory in your life, whether it's a physical healing you need. I believe it's, you know, hopefully I don't, if you've been here longer than six months, you, you know that we never believe or teach that it could be the will of God for you to be sick. That's just God 101 to me. He's a good father. If you know what a good father is, what father would ever want his kids sick no matter what they have done? Because I used to believe years ago that... Uh, Healing could be withheld from you, or maybe God was putting sickness on you if you sin or if you did something wrong. Maybe that's why sickness, you opened up the door for sickness to come because you did something wrong. I don't believe that. And I know some of you are still working on that, but that's all right. I'll say this. You can totally disagree with what I say, and I'm okay with that now. I disagree with Mike sometimes. I do. My wife disagrees with me sometimes. We still love each other. We just do. Because this, we don't know everything. We don't. But I do know this, that in my foundation, is it's the will of God for my heavenly Father. is such an awesome Father. I may not have all the answers, but I do know one thing. He wants every need met. He wants me to be healthy and whole. He wants my relationships to be great. And he expects me to believe in him the best because all that he has done, he's done it for me and you. So I believe he's good. Do bad things happen? Absolutely. Is he the cause of them? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But I believe it's my job to teach what God puts in my heart. I believe I have an obligation as a pastor to hear from him. And, what, and listen, I don't hear 100% correct all the time. Sometimes I go, Lord, I may have gotten a little fuzzy. But this is what I know. I'm going to preach and teach to you to the best of my ability by God's grace and by his anointing to teach to you what I feel like he wants me to speak. And that's why I teach and preach what I do. It's not because I'm afraid of what they're going to do uh, or afraid of who's going to say something or who, what. I mean, people come and go to our church, and that's fine. That's fine. I believe you need to be able to hook up with somebody that your heart can hook up to. Not 100% agree with but where your heart can be connected. 
And if your heart can't be connected here, then I am giving you 1,000% permission. Then go to a church where your heart can be connected. Don't everybody leave until after the service, though, okay? That's a little bit of a joke, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, Luke chapter 9, verse 49. Before I say this, let me say this. If you study culture of the Jews back 2,000 years ago when Jesus was on the planet walking around, and I know most of you may not know this about the culture at the time. Rome was the superpower at the time. Rome had a heavy hand upon the Jewish nation. They controlled it. They ruled it. They were the reigning kings at that time. And so there was a heavy taxation. There was heavy pressure upon the Jews. Life just really stunk to high heaven. And so when they heard that there was a Messiah born... He was their deliverer. What do you think they expected? This is what they expected. Acts, or Luke chapter 9, 49. I'll get it right. Luke 9, 49. The disciple John said, Master, we found someone who was casting out demons. This is the wrong one. I was right. Acts. The more I read that, it started looking like Greek. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Every time they were gathered together, how often? Every time they were gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is it the time now for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? What were they expecting for the Messiah to do? To overthrow the government, to conquer Rome, put Jews in charge. Every time they gathered together, this question came up. Listen to the Living Bible. And another time when he appeared to them, they asked him. This is after the resurrection. Jesus appears before them. Lord, are you going to free Israel from Rome now and restore us an independent nation? It sounded just like this. Cricket. Cricket, cricket, Jesus did not overthrow the government. He did not put them in charge. He didn't. I was praying about this this week, and did you know? I challenge you. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and see if you can find one time that Jesus came against the Roman government publicly. Am I saying then we should never do that? I am not saying that. Did everybody hear that? Did everybody hear that? I'm not saying that you don't have a voice and you need to shut up. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying what Jesus did. I believe he raises up people to be the mouthpiece. I do. Again, I do believe that he raises people up. But I'm just telling you when people say, well, you know, I think what would WWJD and what would Jesus do? I'll tell you what he did. Nada against the Roman government. Even when they tried to get him to say, hey, should we pay taxes, Jesus? Trying to say, coming against the government. He says, show me a coin. 
whose picture, whose emblem, who's on the coin? Caesar. He says, give to Caesar what's Caesar, give to God what's to God. He couldn't even get tricked. My point is this. I feel like that's just in my heart. I believe things ought to be said. I believe ministries ought to do what God's called them to do. But this is not what God has called me to do, to speak out against the government and say, bless God, we're going to take City Hall. Who's with me? Cricket, cricket. But anyway, my point is this. That's just not what God's put in my heart. Are you hearing me? He's put in my heart to teach people about how to have victory in their life. To know, and to do that, you have to know him at a greater level. So I just want you to hear my heart this morning. Jesus never focused on the Roman government. When I stood this, it made me feel like, thank you, Lord, for showing me that. I've read the Gospels, I don't know how many times, but I've never popped up to me. But I just want you to know why I don't do that and why I do what I do. Furthermore, it's this. I think it's time for the world to know what the church stood for and not what we stand against. You can go to anybody on the street and say, tell me, what, what is that church? What are they against? And they can rattle off what they're against. But go to that same person and say, well, what is that church for? God. They're for God. I'm sure they're for God. I want Rocky Mountain Family Church to be known that we are lovers, lovers of people, that we love people. Do we love God? Absolutely. But we love people. And we want the plan, the promises of God to be revealed to them so they can believe in the promises of what the word has taught us. There are promises in there that are not being manifested on this planet to a great degree. God wants you to know that there's promises. There's promises for you to receive healing from him. There's promises for you to be financially secure in him. Money. People say, well, money's not important to God. Yes, it is, because it's important to you and to me. You need that to live on this planet, so therefore it's important to him. I know I believe a little bit different than what some religious organizations do, but I believe money's important to God because he knows it's important to you. If something's important to you, it's important to God. If you got pain in your body, it's not okay with God. And so we need to get to a level to where our faith that's already in us can believe that, you know what? What Jesus did 2,000 years ago, nothing can hinder for me to receive that today. Do you really believe that? See, because I used to believe that if you you sin or if you did something wrong, if your life didn't just really measure up, then you wouldn't be able to receive healing. Maybe you wouldn't get that promotion. Maybe you wouldn't get that raise. Maybe you wouldn't get that ideal job that you have because you know your life just hasn't measured up and so I used to think that way and I was brainwashed into thinking that way and that is a deception because my heavenly father says I've given it to you 2,000 years ago and it's up to you to receive what I've already given and nothing that you do can permit 
that from happening to your life. No performance level will stop that from happening if you believe that. But most people don't believe that. They think just like I used to think. If I do something wrong, I'm probably not going to receive healing. If I do something wrong, I probably won't get that raise. I'm probably just going to have to struggle in life because this is the way. Because I just don't feel like I measure up. I'm going to give you a news flash. Nobody measures up. Nobody measures up. There's only been one that has measured up. His name is Jesus. And when you get a hold of him, he wants you to know today, healing is yours no matter what. Provision is yours no matter what. He wants you to have relationships that are heaven on earth. Are there consequences to sin? Absolutely. You treat somebody bad, they're not going to go, well, okay. No, you're going to reap something. You rob a bank, you're going to go to jail. There's consequences. There's consequences to sin. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, let me say this. That what he has promised and what he's given, sin cannot keep that from you having. I know. I got one out of whatever's here. That's not bad. But Do you understand that's called the gospel? It's called too good to be true news. Are you saying, Pastor, that I can receive healing just because of Jesus? Yes, that's the good news. It's not based on you and me. You mean I can get all of my needs met because of Jesus? Yes. Amen. It's because of him. It's not because, you know, you know, you just need to keep. I'm, I'm an education person. I believe in education. I've got a whole row full of here of educators. Educatees. Okay, I may not be one of them, but I can talk to you. But anyway, my point is this. Education will only take you to a certain level. But if you have and understand that the favor of God is upon your life, it'll open doors that education won't open. It'll open things in your life that nobody can open because the favor of God is on you. And you know it. And you show me a person who knows that they have favor, and I'll show you a person that will, the stars are the limit, man. They can go far. They can go far. It's just good news. We need to hear this. Over and over and over again because we've all been brainwashed thinking that it's our performance level and God is withholding. The good news is he can't take from you what he's already placed here on the planet. He came 2,000 years ago to, to give his love, his acceptance, his healing, his provision, everything that you think God is he left it here and gave it to mankind. He gave it to the world. We just don't know it. We just don't know it. I'll close with this. I believe that when people do come against you and me, everybody here has had somebody coming against them. Everybody's here had something bad said about you. Everybody has. But this is the thing. I believe that when we have a revelation of the love of God, and this is why we come to church for the revelation to grow, to be encouraging one another, 
to experience, hopefully, the love and kindness of God. Because the world out there, man, I, I, I think God is just waiting for the church to start loving one another. The church has a hard time loving one another because we could be critical. Now, did you hear what they said? Did you hear what they did? I was driving by the bar. Did you see they were in there? I saw them with my own eyes. I'll tell you a funny thing. I was doing a funeral one time years ago. I was playing softball for the church softball team. And uh, I have, you remember this, Anthony? I broke my hand playing ball. I dove and ball busted my hand up. So I had a cast on for several weeks. So I was doing this funeral. I had a cast on. And it was a pastor friend of mine. We were doing it together. And so I got up and I started a funeral with this. I just before I start, I just want to explain to you why I know everybody's looking at my cast. So I'm just going to tell you, you know, I was playing softball and I fell and then the ball, I had the ball in my glove and I fell on it and broke my hand. This pastor friend of mine stood up and said, oh, he was in a bar. That's in a fight in a bar. That's how he got it. I said, he's right. I was in there to drag him out. Everybody started clapping and laughing at a funeral. But anyway, uh, what did I say that all that for? I was going somewhere with that. Jesus, help me. Oh, the love of God. Keep playing. Anyway, the love of God. I believe you can have people hate you. You can have people that say bad things about you. But there is a love that has not been tapped into by the church that will come out and say, I still love you no matter what you say. Honestly say it, not just like, I still love you. You know, like when you have kids and they fight each other, tell them you love them. I love you. No, say it like you mean it. I love you. No, come on, man. You can't. It's just, I don't know why parents do that. I mean, it's just, you can make them say it, but deep down in their soul. When she leaves, you're mine. Anyway. But I believe that we can have a revelation that the love of God within us, that we can truly say this to people who say bad things against you, who treat you disrespectfully, that you can turn around and say, I still love them. Jesus said that while he was being murdered, hammered on the cross. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. He loved them. That love is in you and me. I'm saying that because do you realize when you have a revelation that you will be so set free that you will never get offended, never get your feelings hurt, and you will have joy unspeakable and full of glory on this planet no matter what or how you're being treated. Wow. That will set you free. That will set you free. So know that. Am I there yet? No. But I do know this. Five years ago, I didn't even know that was available as far as walking in the love of God to where nothing and nobody can hurt me no matter what. No matter what. Let's stand. Before the piano player passes out. Uh, I felt like the first service was a lot more, uh, I described it better, went better with it. Anyway, I hope you got my heart this morning. All right? Don't be critical of people. Jesus, John went to Jesus and said, you know, I saw somebody casting a demon out of somebody. 
And they're not following with us. They're not one of us. You know what Jesus said? Leave them alone. They're fine. If they believe in Jesus, they're fine. Can I tell you something? Let's stop being critical of people. Yeah, right there it is. Jesus, uh, Luke 9, 49. That's that one I got mixed up. It says, disciple John said, Master, if someone is casting out demons, and we try to stop him because he doesn't follow you like we do. Jesus responded, you shouldn't have hindered him. For anyone who's, against, who's not against us is your friend. We do that still 2,000 years later. You know, they don't believe like we do. Leave them alone. They don't, they don't do things like you do, Pastor. Thank God. Let's be equipping critical of the church. We're supposed, if the world is going to know the love of God, the church has to start walking in unity and walking in love toward one another. And it's, unity is not based upon what you believe. Unity is based upon love. So that means you can disagree with me and we can still walk in unity because we love one another. Man, that's a foundational thing that the church has missed for ever. We just need to love one another and we can walk. How can two walk together? Unless they know about the love of God. They have to agree upon one thing. And that thing that we can only agree upon is love. It's Jesus. Father, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for eyes being open. Thank you for helping us. I'm so grateful, Father, that you're showing us. Even in the midst of disagreements, we can be accepting, we can be kind, we can be loving. Thank you, Father, that you're helping us to do that. Thank you for every need being met in Jesus' name.